Great. Either you're all still arguing about what constitutes a community, or you all have a great deal of experience of being in a community. Hold on to those thoughts about the communities that you're a part of, because we're going to come back to those later. Um, As Steve said, community is something that I'm really passionate about. I think that we're not created to be alone. Actually, a lot of us are tempted to think that we have to get through our lives alone. But we're not created to be alone. We thrive when we're in community with others. And um, I don't know if you recognize that reading from Galatians. It was in a very different version but you would have recognized it as the fruit of the Spirit. Those are all um, things in our lives that we can't actually develop by ourselves. We need other people in order to practice the kind of life that Paul talks about in that passage. Other people are our context for exercising those gifts and the fruit of the Spirit and for exercising um, the way that Jesus teaches us to live. Um, Steve talks often about how... um, we should look for the community that makes us the best version of ourselves. So I wanted just to um, get behind that question a little bit, really, and say, what is it about community that has the potential to make us the best version of ourselves? So for the last um, decade or more, I have lived as part of an intentional community which is kind of a very pretentious way of saying that um, we meant to be a community. It's something that we formed on purpose and something that had a purpose. In fact, and this is an important thing for getting started in anything in life, it had a big idea. So um, how this came about, I guess um, about 15 years ago, um, a bunch of us were kind of at a stage in our lives where either... People were getting married and kind of building their own little family. Um, Or for some of us, we were kind of living by ourselves and in a city like London. That means, I don't know, going from one house share to another um, or trying to find a way to to find a place to live by yourself. And um, we just took some time really to reflect on that together. And we thought sometimes uh, that looks like a choice between, between retreat or isolation um, and actually, when we try to do either, either marriage or singleness by ourselves, we place a huge burden either on the one other person that we've attached ourselves to or on ourselves. Um, this will be a familiar um, story to many of you. We kind of thought, you know, we don't live in close proximity to our extended families. Um, and generations ago, that provided us with community. Um, many of us don't have much of a sense of geography. We don't know our neighbours We don't have um, a sense of place, um, and so that doesn't give us a community. We we live in a society in which the sense of common good isn't really present in our economic and our political narrative. We, We have this story about personal consumption and building our personal wealth, our own lives, everything that we need to thrive in our lives. Um, And that's, you know, that's a story that runs back through decades. Um, It's really the story of capitalism, and it's very very pervasive in our lives and in the way that we look at the world. Um, You can tell that some of us were, um, at this point in our lives, politics and economics graduates, so we like to talk about these things. Um, And even spirituality is a bit compartmentalized if we're not careful in the way that we look at the world. We... Um, Church is something that we do in little pockets in our lives, and our spiritual lives are are sort of privatized. 
So um, we spent time talking about those kinds of issues, and we really got to a point of saying, um, is there a way that we could live differently? Could we share our lives together? What would that look like? Um, how could we live a different story than this one that we're not very satisfied with? Um, so that was our big idea. It's um, 15 years later. I thought I'd show you some pictures so you know that these are actual people um, and not you know, my imaginary friends. Um, that big idea is still present, I think. It's kind of waned a little bit. Idealism is fantastic for getting you started and a new path in life. Um, we all know that it's kind of character and values that carry us through, not necessarily those big ideas. Um, this is a, just a fraction of the people that I've lived with in the last um, 15 years. So there is a group of 14 of us, um, two families of five, and four other people, and we live in two next-door houses. The majority of us have been there for 10 years plus. Um, the children range, I think, from 6 to 16 in age. Um, over the years, we have lived with... Now, I did a big list to try and count this up, and I got to about 24 people. I compared notes with my housemate this week, and in a kind of triumph of community for me, um, we reached 28 so apparently there are four people I'd forgotten about. Um, some of those people, in my defense, some of those people have lived with us just for a few weeks, and some of them have lived with us for years. Um, and we've had six or seven kind of regular visitors to community life. So um, I could definitely write a book about what it's like to live with other people. Um, but despite Steve's kind introduction, I'm not an expert on community. We all function in communities. Um, I do have a lot of experience of what it's like to live in a very particular type of community. Um, and so I've been reflecting for this talk on that experience and thinking, what is it that I've valued about that way of living? And what is it that I think has been a gift to me and has formed me as a person um, in answering that question about how is it that community makes us into the best version of ourselves. So um, I'm going to share three. It's a morning for three things. I'm going to share three of those gifts with you. Um, but my question really to you is, as we talk about those three gifts is in the communities that you just told your neighbor about, what are the gifts of those communities for you? And also how can you cultivate um, practices and habits and things, values together as a community that will help you put the life of the Spirit into practice so that um, it's not just an idea in our heads, but it's something that's worked out in our everyday lives. So here's my first gift of community. Difference. This might be a bit of a surprise. I think when most people think about community, they think about sameness. They think of communities as gathering of like and like-minded people. I think that's a club. It's an affinity group. It's not necessarily a community. People gather together in groups for all kinds of reasons. You gather together with flesh and blood and village and tribe and because you have the same interests or you share the same kind of ideas about life. This is... Um, you will probably know Jean Vanier. He's the founder of a community called L'Arche that are now um, spread across the globe. 
And he's a really great voice on community. If you want to read a bit about community, um, I would recommend any of his books on the subject. He is um, a little bit old school, so you have to get past some of his language and his terms. Um, But he's really, really insightful. And this is what he says about difference. People come together because they are alike and have the same vision of themselves and of the world. But some people come together because they want to grow in universal love and compassion. And it's these latter who create true community. Um, He goes on to say that communities are truly communities when they're open to others. Communities cease to be such when members close in on themselves with the certitude that they alone have wisdom and truth and expect everyone to be like them and learn from them. In other words, community isn't about sameness. It comes about through the breaking down of barriers to welcome difference. Now, why is this a gift and not just really hard work? Um, I think there's um, a clue in... um, It says something to us about how we work as human beings. Brian McLaren writes about the story of Adam and Eve and the tree of knowledge um, in Genesis. And he says that that is a story, in his view, of um, how we are um, hardwired, really, to judge. That there is this deep desire rooted in the human heart to judge between good and evil um, and to place ourselves on the side of good and others who are not like us on the side of evil. And he says that's a creation story about how that kind of enters into the world and shapes um, so much of what develops next. So all kinds of enmity and violence and destruction flow from our desire to judge between ourselves and other people. I think if we place ourselves in communities that are open to difference, we have a chance to learn that about ourselves and also to think how we can behave differently. We find out that we can't judge other people without turning that critique in on ourselves. Another Vanier quote that I think is really true. What I've learned in 12, 13 years of living with people who are not like me um, is that the things I most criticise in other people are the things I am least willing to look at in myself. In other words, people are a mirror and they show us the things about ourselves that maybe we, things we react most strongly against. We find out that actually there's something of that in me and that's why I'm judging the other person um, because really I'm judging myself. I've lived with um, a staunch Catholic, an atheist, an Anglican vicar, people moving in and out of Christian faith, people just kind of looking for something new in their life. Um, I've lived with gay and straight people. I've lived with able-bodied and disabled. Um, Those are the obvious differences, but I live with people who are really frugal and people that are extravagant. I've lived with people who work a lot and place a lot of value on their work and people who think other things are more important in life. I've lived with two families who have very different parenting styles, all kinds of difference. What I've observed is that um, if I cast my mind back to the early years, maybe it was just the group of people we had, or maybe it's because we were younger, um, but we liked nothing more than a good debate, and we would sit up late into the night talking to each other about 
our ideas and essentially trying to convince each other of our own rightness. Um, <laughs> that's what most debate is about. My observation is that we do a lot less of that now and I think it's because we're more aware of our difference and we're more careful about those differences than we used to be. So actually convincing the other person of our rightness is less important than loving that person and knowing that actually we're in danger of trampling on something that's really very precious and important to them when we kind of fight for our view. So um, maybe we're just more pragmatic, maybe we don't like conflict, but um, I think it's to do with accepting that difference um, exists and is a good thing. I've also observed that people who are the most different from each other, who really press each other's buttons, you would have lived with people like this, who like, the thing the other person has in life is the thing they really most want. And so they really think that person is not grateful for it. Um, I've, I've lived with people who've probably struggled the most day to day with each other and who have the most empathy and the most understanding of each other kind of when the chips are down um, because they've seen something of themselves in that other person. So difference can actually be really powerful. It can be a really um, a healing and a growing thing for us. This community here at Oasis talks a lot about inclusion. It's one of the reasons I love being a part of this community. Um, and if we're not careful, we might think that inclusion is a gift that we make to somebody else, that in our magnanimous attitude we include other people in. Um, actually, we receive when we include. Inclusion is a gift to us as much it is, as it is a gift to the other. And I think it's a really important one for the, in this community that we continue to practice. So here's my question for you before we move on to the next gift, and it's a question for me. Um, is there enough difference in your life? Are all the people that are closest to you, that you place yourself, that you work out your life with each day, do they all think the same way as you do? Are they all like you? And how could you welcome difference into your life and see what it has to teach you and what other people have to teach you? I don't think we're ever done with that question and thinking of the ways in which other people can bring us things. Here's my second gift, a little bit more obvious, um, and Steve's been talking about it already this morning, that one of the gifts of community that I've really valued is generosity. This is probably the most um, famous community verse from the Bible, from the New Testament. Um, I love this version of it. You have to say it in a certain voice. Are you ready? All the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common makes me think this doesn't sound like a community at all. Presumably they didn't have to argue about the electricity bill or who drank the last bottle of wine or all those things um, that are really where community shows up. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. Community is fairly obviously a context where generosity can be exercised I get to live the way that I live. I get to live in the place that I live because other people have been willing to share their life and their home with me. Um, it's simple maths. Together we are much more able to meet needs than if we try and do it by ourselves. We all have... It's just good economics, isn't it? <laughs> Pooling our resources. We all have different amounts of money, different gifts, different time, um, different skills 
different ability to give of ourselves in terms of our emotional capacity, our physical capacity. And together, as a group, it's much easier to balance that out. Um, and we're m able to give much more when we're part of a group than when we live our lives only thinking about what we as an individual can do. As a community, we don't hold all things in common. Uh, we have not sold everything we owned and pulled our resources together. Actually, preparing this talk made me think about this um, because I think sometimes we've got very comfortable and we're missing out a little bit on the radical call of community when it comes to our money and possessions. Money is something we, found it, we find it hard to talk about with each other. When's the last time you sat down and talked with somebody else about how much money you have and how you choose to spend it um, and what you're doing with it? It's something that most of us hold fairly private. Um, we have found ways as a community to be generous with each other. We're people that have more, pay more, give more. People that have less um, contribute in other ways. Some people cook and some people babysit and um, some people ask how your day was. We all have different kinds of things that we bring and that we're able to be generous with. Um, I think that we also have an opportunity when we think about the communities that we're a part of. Generosity is not just money, it's not even just time. It's about how we think about other people as well. Um, you have an opportunity when we're doing the, the judgy bit, the thing that we do automatically because we're hardwired to put ourselves on the side of the goodies and everybody else on the side of the baddies. We have an opportunity to learn when we're with other people just to stop and to think what's the most generous interpretation I could place on that person's words or actions. When you live with people, you just get a bit more insight into that because you have more sense of what they're dealing with and where they're at. And so you're probably a little bit more likely to stop and think, okay, that was rude, or that was a bit uncaring, uh, or, you know, that, that person could have stopped and talked to me there, but I know what they're handling, and I know that maybe they haven't got any capacity today um, to behave any differently. So learning to think generously about each other is kind of a prerequisite for developing community if we don't want to be at each other's throats all of the time. Um, but it's also something I think that is a really valuable thing for us to practice um, for ourselves. I was thinking about generosity has been, um, it's actually been a really big lesson for me living in community. I, to be honest, it's not about money for me. I don't find um, sharing money a particularly difficult thing. Um, but I, I think for me it's been um, a lesson in who I am and also a lesson about who God is, that if community teaches us something about generosity, then it also teaches us something about God. It teaches us that God is an abundant creator. Um, until we know that, it's very hard for us to be generous. It's very hard for us to give away when, we don't, when we're not confident that we have enough or that our needs will be met. We find the ability to open our hearts to difference when we know that we're loved. And we find the ability to open our hands and to be generous with our lives when we know that we are cared for by a God who has everything and provides us with everything. 
So this is my challenge. I'm actually, I'm a real introvert, um, and I find, so I find forming relationships difficult. I find letting other people really know me hard. Um, I really, you know, I find it quite easy to, to distance myself from people. So for me, choosing to live 15 years with lots of other people um, has been a really good challenge about my ability not to share my money, but to share myself. Um, and I, I've had a lot of opportunity to reflect on why I find that difficult. Um, I think that fear and lack and a feeling of scarcity are very, very powerful drivers. So we hold back, we hold on, we build what's ours, and we guard what we have very carefully. So one of the gifts of community for me that is that it's a context that asks me to trust. It asks me to lean in to the generosity of others and to believe that God is enough, and actually he made me enough, and um, I don't have to ration myself and my ability to interact with other people. I can open my hands a little bit, and I'll be okay, I'll survive, um, I'll live, I might even thrive. Um, I actually wrote a little mantra this summer, I was going to tell it you, but then I realised that when you share a mantra with other people, you sound ridiculous, so... (laughs) I thought I'd save both of us that. So, um, but I did it because I realised I was really struggling with the question of actually sharing myself with the people in my life, not just in my home community, but in other contexts. So, um, so someone suggested to me that I might like to write a little prayer that I could say each day that reminded me that actually I live under the care of an abundant Creator who who gives me everything I need that I am enough, that God is enough, and I can choose, make a choice about how I'm going to live my life today, whether I'm going to live it generously with other people or not. So I recommend it as a practice, but it's probably something best said in your head and not said aloud on the bus because that kind of scares people. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know what your mantra would be. I don't know what your generosity challenge is. Um, maybe it's money. I, I am actually genuinely, and here's a bit of community accountability you can help me with. Um, I would love our community to talk more about our money. It's something that we, sh- we share, but that's within our own control. Um, it's a bit like in church when we talk about tithing. We're willing to give 10%, but just don't ask me about what I'm doing with the other 90%. Um, so that's a step that I know our community could take. Um, into being more generous together and I know that we could do a lot more good in the world if we chose to really talk um, about our money and what we're doing with it so that's a challenge if that's something that interests you by the way I am have finished and I therefore I can recommend to you um, this book called Free um, by a guy called Mark Scandra if you're in a small group of people who want to talk about how you're how you could live more generously and how you can deal with your time and your money um, and prioritise, then this is a really practical book designed for groups. So that might be a step you could take in terms of building community. Right, we're coming on to my final gift. I don't know what gifts you would have chosen. If you think about those communities that you named to your neighbour at the beginning, um, so I've said difference is a gift of community. It's a practice as well. Generosity is a gift of community, and it's a practice. Um, I don't know what yours would be, thinking about the things that you value and the people that you choose to share your life with. Um, I could have talked, 
I wrote some down. I could have talked about grace or forgiveness or service or mission. I kind of stayed away from those last two, partly because I think as a community here, we're quite good at talking about those things. And I I wanted to talk about something a little bit different, maybe a little bit more personal. Um, But lots of gifts I could have talked about. I thought that we would finish with something slightly less earnest um, than any of those. So this is a gift and a practice that I love and one that I think you can all embrace and adopt in your life. It's the gift of celebration. Um, All civilizations, all people, all tribes through history are marked out um, by their patterns of celebration, by their high days, their feasts, their holidays, by their rituals. Um, Some of those are celebrations that have to do with mourning, um, but they are a, a celebration, a way in which you mark yourselves out together as a group. They're the ways that we remember who we are. They're the ways that we remember what our story is together. They're the ways that we articulate the narrative that we're living by. So celebration um, might not be that earnest, but it's actually really, really important in how we live together as a group. Um, I haven't given you a Bible verse for this because, you know, read the Old Testament. (laughs) Read everything about the Hebrew people and how they practiced celebrations and the rhythm of their year, the rhythm of their life, as a way of centering themselves in their own story and centering themselves in God. You'll recognize as a church, um, most church communities practice the celebration of the Lord's Supper or Communion or Eucharist or Mass. That's a gift of celebration that Jesus gave to his disciples and to us as a way of remembering who we are because of him and who he is and how our story is located in the story of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. So as a community at home, we're pretty good at celebrating. We reckon we've got this one pinned. Um, Now, this may be the most pretentious sentence I've I've, I've, um, uttered this morning, so bear with me. But I thought I'd include some pictures of our latest liturgy writing workshop with the children one Sunday afternoon, actually quite recently. We, um, we love celebrating. We love cooking. Um, we love spending time together. And you'd be amazed. You live with a big bunch of people. Um, you kind of all develop your own diaries. And if you don't put in times to be together, you won't spend quality time together. You'll get the worst of yourselves. You know, you'll get the coming in late at night and grunting at each other and in the morning and Um, moving your way around the kitchen and trying not to fall over each other. So you have to put time in if you want to spend quality time together. So we celebrate Christmas, we have a big Christmas meal, um, we celebrate Advent, we celebrate Lent, we celebrate summer, we celebrate people going on holiday, we celebrate people coming back from holiday. Um, You get the picture. Every Wednesday night, um, we meet together and share a meal. So... um, because we are a community of difference, if you need any recipes for um, gluten-free, lactose-free, nut-free, vegetarian meals for 16 that you can create in an hour when you come home from work, then I am your woman. <laughs> That's been, it takes an effort to do that each week. There are weeks I, I cooked last week and I was remarkably grumpy about it um, because I had a, a stressful day and I didn't really have time. 
Um, but I'm always so grateful. The second we sit down um, and begin to talk together, it's been worth it. And it doesn't really matter if the food was any good or not. Um, so we do that. And we've done it every Wednesday for about 12 years. I can't think of anything else in my life that I've stuck with as a commitment for that period of time. But it's really, really, really important um, to us as a community. And one of the things that we do is share a little bit of liturgy around the meal. Um, we did this for years. We went off it for a bit. We rewrote it recently. Um, and that sounds a bit weird, but it's actually a really great way of pausing, connecting with each other, and reminding ourselves of the story that we share and the things that are important to us. So, um, so yeah, we have a little bit of a sort of prayer, really, as we come to the meal, and then we take a little bit of time between main course and dessert um, to pray together. So I would recommend that as a practice. Um, of all our celebrations, actually, birthday Wednesdays are the high point. So whatever is the nearest Wednesday to your birthday or the nearest birthday Wednesday that you're available, um, we'll celebrate your birthday. So everyone gets a birthday cake, um, everyone gets presents, and it's kind of their night. Um, I actually think in more ways that that is a really significant thing. Um, this is a, the last word, really, from Vanier. He says that every child, every person needs to know that they are a source of joy Every child, every person needs to be celebrated. Only when all our weaknesses are accepted as part of our humanity can our negative, broken self-images be transformed. Something as simple as holding a birthday Wednesday and insisting that everyone gets one is a way of, in celebration, it is a way of us loving each other and reminding each other that everybody's important. I, I could have said at the beginning, if you asked everyone that ever lived with us, if they thought our community was a great place. Not everyone would say yes. We've had people who have not enjoyed living with us at all, um, and people who've not left well. And, you know, those are, those are things that we need to learn from. They're things that we're sad about. I've seen people who've kind of kept themselves on the edge or have felt not very loved try and avoid a birthday Wednesday by being not there, for weeks, so two months after their birthday, we surprise them with a birthday Wednesday. It's, a, it's um, amazing watching someone slightly soften, slightly melt, because however much they tried to avoid it, everybody else wanted to say, we want to celebrate you. However difficult our relationship is, we still want to celebrate you, and we want to find ways to include you. So those are my three gifts. Before I finish, I thought I might just say that when we talk about these kind of subjects, for some of us, it's not easy. It's easy to feel left out of the conversation. You sit and listen and say, it's lovely that everyone else is talking about community. That's, I would love that in my life. Um, we carry all sorts of um, hurts with us. So I just wanted to acknowledge that and to say, if that's you, then be gentle with yourself. Um, longing for community is a great place to start. Maybe there's one step, one thing that you can summon up your courage for as a way to step in towards other people. And for all of us, that's my question. What's our way of stepping in? What's, our, what's the practice of community that we could develop with those around us? What's the gift that we could try and share with others um, in the communities that we're a part of? 
how can we make sure that the things we talk about, whether it's the fruit of the Spirit or what it means to follow Jesus, what it is to be human, how to be the best version of ourselves, how can those things be a reality and not just words that we talk about? Paul says, since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or as sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. Thank you.